Hello, Unleashed listeners. I'm recording this from Kopangan in Thailand. I'm sharing with you an interview I've done with Matthias Schwentek from mid-2016. I hope you enjoy it. My entire body completely collapsed. My nervous system collapsed. I couldn't eat, couldn't sleep, got really depressed. Um, just lost 10 kilos and every thought of sex was just completely disgusting and I didn't want to have anything to do with sex and found myself on a balcony when I just killed myself. Welcome to Unleash Your Full Potential podcast with me, Eyal Matzlia. Today's episode is an interview with Matt Schwentek, who is a sexual healer and an educator. We go quite deep into sexual healing, anal dearmoring, the dynamics of giving and receiving pleasure, and Matt also shares some of his personal challenges related to this line of work. Uh, it's really um, a deep conversation, not just for sexual healer, healers, but for everybody who's interested in, in sexuality and in growth. So enjoy the episode. Matthias Wentek, welcome to the Intimate Power podcast. Thank you very much for having me. So tell us a little bit what, what you do. Um, I'm a sex and body worker. I'm a facilitator for uh, workshops for sacred sexuality, for touch, for consent. I'm a cuddle party facilitator since last summer. And I'm traveling around the world uh, offering my work uh, around touch, the art of loving touch and one-on-one -on -one sexual empowerment sessions for women, men and couples. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's quite a lot, you know, and it's like very important work. And as a, as a fellow practitioner, it's like I understand some of those <coughs> things, but which, which one of, them, of those are you most kind of like passionate about? Like if you could pick one and do specifically that for, for a few months, what would you do? Um, that's a good question. Uh, you know, in the deepest core of that, what is resonating with me, I've started a couple of years ago with a specific topic that calls the liquid light transmission. Mm -hmm. And the liquid light transmission is something between lovers in the moment when we're just engaging in tantric lovemaking, when we're just entering the orgasmic field, where um, we're dissolving into this place of unity consciousness, of oneness, and where something like liquid light between lovers starts to emerge in our field. So we're coming this field of liquid light. And this is where my deepest passion actually is. Uh, it came from lovemaking with a, with a partner I had. And that was my, my deepest call, my deepest longing. This is what, what I would like that everybody can find for themselves. And this is where my passion is. So how does that feel, this liquid light thing? It's Sounds, sounds interesting. So. It sounds interesting. It is interesting. It is specifically when we're just going further than reproductive sex that normally ends in the world, whatever, average of 7.5 minutes, what normally happens to the orgasm of the man, the ejaculation. Um, when we're just actually mastering this ejaculatory choice, this, this, uh, this place of point of no return, and can just like relax and expand in our in our energy field, there's something specifically happening in the, in the woman's body when um, we maintain our erection, when we maintain our sexual energy, where the woman goes through her cervix, through her womb into an, into an altered state of consciousness, into, 
into a um, multi-orgasmic state of expansion. So she's opening up in the first place into this, into this state of um, um, uh, unity consciousness. And something happens uh, in our nervous system, in our pineal gland that is releasing DMT, what feels like an, a, a place of, of liquid light. So this is how I would describe that. And that happens through relaxation and enough time of engagement. Wow, so, so how, how does that feel in your body as a man, this liquid light thing? Um, it's, it, starts, it starts as an interesting, interesting question. How, where does it start? Somewhere in, in the genitals around the prostate. Mm -hmm. it's, it's similar like, this, like, like, like a spike of, of in the nervous system that feels like a P-reflex. Mm -hmm. And it's a similar sensation as, as if you if you entering the point of no return, as if you just start to ejaculate or when the mm -hmm. orgasm starts to happen. Mm -hmm. And the normal response from the nervous system is just like, okay, we're ready to release. And there comes an impulse from the brain as a spasmic reflex in the genitals. And then it gives this kind of pumping and we ejaculate. And this is something that is releasing all the neurotransmitter in the brain. But by relaxing into this ejaculatory choice, just like to breathe and to relax into that, this, this P-reflex, what that happens like a spike or the orgasmic response that happens like a spike, that kind of, I call it like a spark. And this spark itself that has a specific quality of expansion. And that starts to, that starts to expand and every part of the body starts to firing up and, and the heart opens up and, and, and the, the kind of brain starts to get fired up and it's a, it's a beautiful state mm. of, um, of ecstasy to be in. Mm -hmm. It's a wonderful experience to have as a man. And how is it possible for a man to go beyond the, the seven and a half minutes and, and experience that? Um, I had an interesting conversation the other day with, an, with a man um, who uh, said himself he wasn't a tantric practitioner. He was a, um, a, a martial art practitioner in his early 20s, and, and, um, and, but he was completely tantric. And he had no idea about Tantra. And he was telling me when he was studying martial art in his, in his uh, 20s, that his teacher was telling him, you know, you just have to learn to relax your anus. Don't clench your ass. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's one, of the, one of the main um, things to learn. Um, that we just, when we come into this place where we want to maintain in, in our lovemaking, where we don't want to drop into this place of orgasm, that we don't go into this uh, voluntary um, uh, uh, clenching and, and, and squeezing our anus because it's the same impulse in the nervous system that our body has when we ejaculate. And that's, that's the key how to master that, how to master that, that, that choice. Mm -hmm. Any other tips, techniques, ideas how, to, how a man can, can last longer? Yeah, in the first place, we really stop this clenching thing, stop mm -hmm. this contraction, mm -hmm. and then finding a place, how does the body relaxes? Uh, how does the body uh, find this place of completely opening up into this expansion? And um, it's like, you know, just most men, and I was one of them for more than 10 years, just like running through, through life and having this clench in my pelvic floor and my anus, and I had no idea that I actually was really super, super tight and super tense. And how to, how to relax that is the specific form of 
external dearmoring in the genital area, the pelvic floor, the anus, the, the prostate, and kind of just like coming into this place where we're just opening up and going deeper into our tissue in the genital area and the entire body to this releasing tension that, that is um, asking for this release that, uh, of this contraction that we're carrying and um, relaxing into this place of um, um, this tension that we're carrying and opening slowly up and learning how to breathe, relax and expand and then just like finding this deep place of relaxation in our tissue. So for some men it needs some work, really external dearmoring work and... Um, so for those, for those who are not sure what that means, what does is, what is external dearmoring uh, mean? Uh, it's a specific way of um, body work mm -hmm. and that is about going into deeper uh, layers of the tissue, into the muscular tissue mm -hmm. and finding different areas of the body they're storing energy. They're storing mm -hmm. energy in form of um, contraction through, through shame, through guilt, through um, fear that, that, that we're carrying in our nervous system. And mm -hmm. it's a specific practice um, that, that calls tantric dearmoring, where we're going into the genital area, where we're going into the, into the pelvic floor, into the anus and the prostate. Uh, all the different uh, areas in the rectum uh, around the pubic bone to mm -hmm. releasing this tension mm -hmm. and allowing the nervous system to relax in a deeper form um, of expansion when it comes into this high level of pleasure. Mm -hmm. So this is something that a man would receive from somebody else, I'm guessing. That's, that's right. So a man can receive that from a woman, their female practitioner, mm -hmm. their, their male practitioner, mm -hmm. and, but men can do a lot for themselves. Mm -hmm. um, with, with internal work and the anus, sitting on a tennis ball and releasing different areas or just just going for external um, deep body work. It's uh, mm -hmm. very, very supportive for the body. So, you know, our listeners are quite uh, quite open-minded and I have to say that I received anal dearmoring as well. Mm -hmm. But some people would say, oh, it's like... Am I not gay if I do this? So what would you say about this? Yeah, it's an interesting topic for most men when they hear about anal dearmoring. They are they are just becoming afraid of becoming gay um, because the the the, the anus um, uh, is a specific taboo zone, and most men carrying a lot of shame and guilt around their anus, and their 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 nervous system related to fear is actually really contracted and really really clenched. Um, but the anus itself, there's a specific nerve that comes um, uh, through the spine, that's the so-called pundendal nerve, that goes in different branches ar around the anus, it goes in the sacrum, it goes into the penis, and it's the same nerve that gives information as pleasure into the brain. So in the anus itself, it's, it's just an, an, another um, uh, universe of pleasure related to sexual energy, that doesn't make a man gay when, 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 when he feels um, pleasure in the anus. But specifically this feeling of pleasure related to the anus, this is for most men, just, it's a no-go, it's not existing. But in the moment when this is opening up, it changes something in the complete perception of sexual energy and pleasure in the man. Mm -hmm. So what would be a step towards going there? So if somebody's listening and they're interested, but they're not willing to have uh, even a woman uh, put a finger in their ass. So what would be something um, as a beginner step, as an intermediate step that they can do? Yeah, it's an, it's an interesting question. So for, for men, 
um, to, to release and relax into the anus in the very beginning. Just, um, the, the first important step is just find pleasure in your genitals first. So arouse yourself, have an erection, feel good in your sexual energy in the moment and then use something just like maybe your finger in the first place and start to just like very gentle and careful massage around your anus mm -hmm. and uh, in the, the entire pelvic floor and something that doesn't stretch the anus in the beginning too much. Mm -hmm. Just like be kind, be gentle to yourself and um, find different spots that allow you to feel pleasure. And from there you can go deeper and finding maybe spots that are painful. Mm -hmm. And this painful spots, this is something that we're automatically trying to avoid. But in the moment when we're finding them for ourselves, um, uh, we see that these are spots, they, they, they're calling for a release, they're calling for liberation. And an interesting thing about de-armoring, we can't de-armor ourselves. Because mm. de-armoring is actually a practice of... Um, um, allowing ourselves to see a defense mechanism that we have. So that what we would feel for ourselves when we're just um, going internally or externally, it's complete different stories if somebody else is touching us. Mm -hmm. And building up trust and safety enough to allow somebody to go to this place that allows the nervous system to release a lot of tension and a lot of stress and a lot of fear mm -hmm. and shame and guilt and all kind of stored emotion related specifically to the anus. And is this something that a man should receive regularly or is it, you know, you get a few de-armoring sessions and then you're good for life? So, um, as, as soon you just find deeper pleasure in your, in your pelvic area and in, mm -hmm. your, in your anus or in your rectum, then, um, you know, nobody has to do anything. It's just mm -hmm. finding, finding the, the, the release. Mm -hmm. And as soon the, the release in this area has happened, um, most men will recognize a much deeper um, way of uh, liberation, of relaxation, and finding deeper layer of, of, of pleasure in lovemaking, mm -hmm. and um, much more um, much more expansion on the ejaculatory choice. So mm -hmm. the, the point of no return kind of is not an enemy anymore. We have to fight or try to get away from because we can just simply relax into that. Mm -hmm. And no man ever has to be penetrated in the anus from a woman or from another man. It just means that we can relax in lovemaking because we don't have to clench anymore. Mm -hmm. But when we start to enjoy and we, we start to find deeper layers of pleasure and ecstasy in our body related to our anus, then we might choose to just like include our anus in our lovemaking and our mm -hmm. praxis. And that's completely, utterly free to each and everybody. So. Kind of like I, I realized we went, <laughs> we went, so to speak, very deep. Um, how old are you? Uh, 47. You're 47. You're looking good, mate. Oh, I was like, I was like, is he younger than me? Um, so how, how come you find yourself here as a sexual educator? What did you do in your past? What did you do that have led you? Yeah. Mm, good question. So my path is, is almost 20 years ago, or started almost 20 years ago. I was in the age of 29 or something. Mm -hmm. And my understanding of being a multi-orgasmic man was I can ejaculate as much as I want. Mm -hmm. And I had one of these experiences where I did that, um, and where I experienced that, so I could ejaculate in a night about 10, 12 times or something like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, without losing any energy or without losing my erection. And um, coming to a point um, 
where my entire nervous system, my entire body collapsed at the end of 20. Um, and uh, I found myself in a deep depression. And Age 20 was it? 28. 28, okay. Yeah. Um, or 29, something like that. Mm -hmm. And my entire body completely collapsed. My nervous system collapsed. I couldn't eat, couldn't sleep, got really depressed. Um, just lost 10 kilos and every thought of sex was just completely disgusting and I didn't want to have anything to do with sex and found myself on a balcony wanted to just kill myself and had a completely breakdown, an emotional breakdown, started to cry and instead of jumping and killing myself, I had a deep recognition, uh, find love for yourself and the word Tantra and I, I didn't know where the word Tantra was coming from but I have heard it somewhere and that was a kind of a deep call to just go on that journey and since then I'm dedicated. I'm completely, completely uh, gave my life to that and uh, just wanted to know everything that's around and just next morning I bought a book and just started to read and said, okay, that's me, that's me, that's me and I said, okay, that's, that's the path, this is, what, this is what I want to walk in life. Mm -hmm. so, um, so I just went into different approaches, for example, um, uh, the Neo Tantra uh, met Shashi and met in festivals different uh, facilitator, different teacher. Mm -hmm. Came along with um, the International School of Temple Art with Ister. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Some of them was uh, really resonating with me, and some less. And um, and then I actually found that I just really was talented with my hands and and educating people and showing them how I found that for myself. Mm -hmm and um, started giving workshop with a very beautiful woman with Leanne Edwards where we were combining Tantra and shamanism and sacred sexuality mm -hmm. and, um, and then it starts to evolve, people start to ask questions, people ask for sessions, people ask for, for deeper knowledge and um, then it starts to evolve by itself. Mm. Wow, and, and how, was, how was it in the beginning because one of the things that I'm I'm promoting and talking about in my own work and in this podcast is not just the idea of sexuality, but the idea of expression, expressing your full potential, turning your gift into an offering for other people and also into an income stream. Yeah. So how, when did you feel that you are, that you're ready and good enough to, to hold sessions? That's a, that's a good question. I think, I think um, we never get ready and uh, I've, I've done hundreds and hundreds of sessions since and before every session or before every workshop, everything that is happening, I'm just dropping into a deeper place where I actually have to admit that I don't know anything. Mm -hmm. And whenever I just want to provide something where I think was a good thing for other people to know, I actually stepping into a very arrogant place where, where, where I have to assume what is the right thing for others. But in the moment when I'm just allowing myself to feel my vulnerable space and um, let everything um, occur as it needs to come for the, for the best outcome for the person who is showing up, then everything is provided that needs to happen. Mm -hmm. And uh, so the vulnerability and the, in the insecurity before a session, before a workshop, before an, an, an um, um, introduction, anything else in, the, in, in, in a festival, it's just natural and becomes more. Mm -hmm. And to make that my ally, that this is a part of my own self-development in deeper layers of vulnerability and mm -hmm. the unknown. If you don't mind, I'll, I'll, I, I want to really get that, get something there, which is you studied, you went to workshops, you were a student, 
Yeah. When did you decide to become a practitioner? Because oh. I think there's a, there's a divide, because many people are exploring Tantra in the world. Yes. Many people yeah. are you know, going to workshops and, and reading books and following teachers and have you know, private mm-hmm. coaches even and so tough. But when did you actually realize that you want to be a practitioner? When did you actually decide to actually start charging for your, for your gift, for your sessions? Yeah. And, and, and why? Yeah, it's an interesting, interesting question and topic. I remember that um, I had a quite ordinary life, like like everybody has, and their life as an ordinary life. You know, just, mm-hmm. you just have your place, you just live your life, and you have your job, you have your nine to five kind of thing, more or less. And um, I started to get invited from from um, a, a friend and teacher just to co-facilitate workshops. Mm-hmm. And he was known that I was um, into the tantric fields since almost 10 years this time. Mm-hmm. And uh, he asked me to um, co-facilitate in his workshops. And I recognized that I was really good in that what I was doing, um, just like showing people through massage and sexual engagement. Um, showing people through, through massage and sexual engagement that I was cap- capable of and easy capable of introducing people in that what I understood as this, this um, uh, sacredness of sexual energy into the expansion, into, the, into this joy, into the, in, into the ex- ecstatic multiple expansion of pleasure. <laughs> and that was just like fantastic and after, after the workshops these people were just like lining up and just wanted me to work with them. Mm. And, I, and, and I just said, yeah, I can give because I have. I give, give because I can and everything for free. And, and then I came to this point and I just remember that just a kind of pretty quick that I got completely exhausted and burned out and felt I don't want to do anything to anybody anymore. Mm. Kind of this, I'm not interested in workshops and touching people and doing anything anymore. I'm, I'm done, I'm over it. So I felt that, that I was coming from a place that, that was completely empty. And, uh, and then uh, a friend said, you know what, this, uh, this is time where you have to show up for yourself and you have, to, you have to charge in an exchange because you give something in, but what is the exchange that is coming back? It's not enough that you see somebody completely happy and walking away and you don't have anything um, uh, as an exchange, as an energy exchange there. And that was the time when I, when I saw, okay, I have a gift and I felt completely insecure. How, how, can, I, how can I offer that? Because yeah. th- there, is no, there is no book in there. there, there is no education in there, there is no way like you're just becoming a bachelor or you're becoming a master in, in anything. You just have to master yourself in the first place. And I started to, to, to offer session in sexual initiation in this understanding of this ecstatic field and, um, and that's how it, how it started. Mm-hmm becoming a practitioner. So people said, okay, I've heard you just can't do that and I just want to experience that. I had my entire life bad sex. What is that Tantra thing about? What is that energy that, that is happening in there? And mm-hmm. then the book sessions. So what does sexual initiation mean? Uh, it can be anything. It can be uh, whatever people come for. Um, some people uh, just need an initiation, specifically men, they just want to uh, master the ejaculatory choice. Just um, 
how, how can I maintain my sexual energy? How can I reabsorb the sexual energy in my body? That might be an, an initiation into themselves, just like in the first place, doing a, a, a detox to their body, finding deeper layers of sexual pleasure for themselves. Yes. Um, and, um, and it might mean just getting off porn. And, and just feeling your sexual energy just for a while in your body without giving it out and, and, and finding, finding a different approach of sexual energy than that what we know. For women, just, many women just only know sexual energy in form of, uh, as a stress relief, the sleeping pill on the clip before you fall to sleep or using a vibrator or just like never had an orgasm their entire life. Mm -hmm. uh, kind of showing that there is a different, a different ecstatic universe and that how we are imprinted above our sexual energy, what, what actually is possible. And just taking layer of layer of layer away that people finding into their own truths how to express their sexual um, joy, their sexual pleasure. Hmm. Wow. So, so how can, we talked a little bit about women, uh, sorry, about men. So how can women get to this, these states, to this ecstatic, multiple, expensive states? Yeah, um, I was just recently uh, interviewed by a, by a lady about that who just came um, uh, to a session just before and she started just like an incredible movement, the 21-day cervix uh, activation and pleasure activation and that has been just like going around the world in different groups now with a couple of thousand people and and all of a sudden people recognizing me on the, st on the street. I have seen you in this interview. So the main thing... What I'm starting to say in there is that just for a certain period of time, and that's uh, three weeks nearly, what the nervous system actually needs to reboot to get um, off um, an addictive behavior. Mm -hmm. And um, when um, women stop using the clitoral stimulation or the peak organ of the clit as a stress relief and just like maintaining their sexual energy, their neurochemistry, and to detox, to liberate and, 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 and um, purify their sexual energy, something is happening in their nervous system, in their, in their physical body. And sexual pleasure is not only focused on this little spot as the clit, it's, it's much more um, in an expansion internally of the vagina, finding deeper layer um, around the, the G-spot, finding different areas um, as well around the anus, and then at the end, finding the deepest core of sexual activation, what is the womb and the cervix, what is in the nervous system related to the vagus nerve, the deepest core of the parasympathetic nervous system. And when that is starting to get activated, even by a conscious touch with the hands or with the fingers, or with a conscious lover who is capable of keeping this connection, there's opening up something in the woman's body that's far beyond any kind of sexual uh, limitation uh, that's based on a clitoral peak um, um, orgasm that has just a stress relief in, mm -hmm. in an approach. You mentioned conscious lover. Yeah. So what does that mean? Conscious lover. Hmm. So first of all, I would say that's that the two people who found themselves, who having a connection within themselves, 
to this life force energy, to sexual energy, having a connection to nature, to life, having, having life as the first lover, having an inner connection to their polarity as a second lover and then being capable of completely share without having any attachment or without having any goal in sexual lovemaking from their partner. And that is already a deep layer of, of um, connection that is happening that is based on, 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 on presence, on connection and um, uh, having layers of consent and finding trust and safety with each other without needing the other person to feed something uh, within themselves that they haven't found. And that's it's a deep layer of, of um, yeah, being committed to, to themselves and being committed to somebody else to go on a deeper journey without attachment. Mm -hmm. and, and how can how can a man, what does a man need to do? Uh, I'm, I'm a very practical person, yeah. you know, so for me it's like, okay, give me the, obviously, probably you can't explain everything in two minutes, but what are some things that a man can start doing to become a more conscious lover? Mm -hmm. in, the, in the first place, I would recommend for men um, uh, really become aware of sexual addictions. That's, I think that's in our, in our um, day-to-day life in our society where we live in. One of the biggest growing diseases uh, is, is, is porn and internet addiction. Mm -hmm. And um, what this is creating in the first place is a very deep disconnection uh, through their body and in a deeper place to women. So erectile dysfunction and premature ejaculation is one of the quickest growing um, um, disalignment that, that, that many, many men carry. So becoming aware of that, really getting, getting off this addiction of porn and getting off the addiction of a constant ejaculatory um, repetitive pattern on a daily or every second basis, starting to finding deeper layers of pleasure, finding deeper layers of pleasure within themselves and intimacy with sexuality without getting it out of the body or without the need to getting it out of the body. Mm -hmm. And that's that's a good first step to start with, and um, and the first obstacle in there is most men finding a place of as soon the body starts to um, reabsorb that uh, sexual energy in the body, uh, it's a syndrome that calls a blue ball syndrome where many men suffering from this massive pain in their balls in their testicles, from this overproduction of of of, of sperm and fluid and. Um, this is this is one of the biggest secrets actually to release that because this is where most men go back to ejaculation where they go back to orgasm and say okay that's not working for me I just go back I just do something that works or men go through a phase of um, erectile dysfunction and then they recognize okay but I remember porn was working for me to get hard and just being so, so sorry to interrupt you but so they start the practice of, of not coming and suddenly they would have erectile dysfunction. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Or premature ejaculation okay. and, and all the dysfunction is coming up. Yeah. And um, it's just being impatient and as well having a partner um, to be transparent with, just making this shift in, into another dimension of sexual engagement, mm -hmm. having, having transparent, um, open uh, communication with a partner is very... 
very supportive. Mm-hmm. Okay, wow. Um, one of the things that I really appreciate that I received from you, um, from you as well, after I received it from Easter, but, but I really enjoyed the session that um, I attended, uh, I think it was in Berlin, mm-hmm. and another session I attended in England. So that was, that was the subject of the will of consent. Mm. So maybe you want to tell us a little bit what is the will of consent? Yeah, the will of consent is, um, is a product from a, a friend, mentor, teacher, Betty Martin. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful lady from Seattle. Mm-hmm. And the will of consent is something I came along with almost five years ago, something like that. Mm-hmm. And that has been changing my life already because I was aware of in an interaction when something is not really right and you can't really put your finger onto that and you don't know where is the disalignment. Yes. And, um, and that was already um, a recognition of a truth that I had intuitively in my nervous system, but all of a sudden I could just communicate that. Mm-hmm. And um, that's, a, that's a profound thing as well to integrate shadows in our nervous system as, um, pardon, as, an, as, an, as a bypass mechanism uh, when we can't ask for what we want, when we can't say no and, and doing different stuff to just like go there where we want to go. Yes. So the wheel of consent is a, is a very simple structure that goes very deep into our nervous system, into our physicality and into spirituality and mm-hmm. in our emotional body. Mm-hmm. And that comes from two very simple questions. And the first question is just like, what I want somebody else is doing to me. Mm-hmm. And that is with anybody else different. Mm-hmm. And then the question, what do I want to somebody else? And that is with everybody else different as well. Mm-hmm. And this two question that creating the four quadrants of the wheel of consent and the, the, the deepest part of engagement in the wheel is actually related to this specific thing of reaching out and doing and receiving. And reaching out and doing and receiving what is um, related to that question, what I want to do to somebody else, not for them, but for myself. It's a healthy selfishness in there. It's a health, healthy way of receiving that is so so old, it feels ancient. It is so old that is related to our nervous system as an infant um, reaching out for our caregiver. It's, it's, it's goes so deep back in our nervous system related to oxytocin, how we have created our social engagement in being safe with others. Mm-hmm. Can you, can you give an example? What does it mean actually to be doing and receiving? Yeah. Because it sounds, it sounds a little bit um, like a paradox. Yeah, it's completely a paradox. So most people having in their nervous system, in their understanding, um, a, a, a very clear approach that doing is related with giving. Yes. So, so giving a massage. Yes. Uh, uh, but giving a massage might feel pleasurable as well so you we can receive when we give something yes but the the intention is in its in its um, um, rawness in the in its purity it's um, how can we be completely connected to ourselves and doing something that feels only good for us mm-hmm. and 
doing and um, receiving, what in the Wheel of Consent calls taking, is very much related. When we're touching something in the first place, where there's, I'll just use something here in my hand that, to, to give you an example. And this is something that man can start to find for themselves. How can you touch something, and it doesn't matter what it is, how can you touch something where you're doing, so my hand is doing, but as well receive that pleasure? Because I'm not giving to my phone. Mm -hmm. Because my phone simply doesn't care. Mm -hmm. But this pleasure, what I feel on my fingertips, that is traveling from my fingertips through my arm into my brain and is literally in my nervous system receiving. Mm -hmm. for, so, those, for those who can't uh, see us, uh, uh, Matt is touching uh, an iPhone in the most uh, erotic, sensual <laughs> way I've ever seen. But what he's actually doing is, is he's creating sensations that he feels with his fingers. So what you're saying is that your finger is feeling the sensation, so you're actually receiving. Right. So I do and I, I receive, so I take pleasure from, from an object. But mm -hmm. when I just bring that to, to engagement with a partner, with somebody else, it's just like, how can I touch my partner in the first place for myself? Mm -hmm. And when I, just, when I just find that for myself, what pleasure is for myself, not only related to my fingertips, to my entire body, and I've asked my partner for consent, may I feel you up, may I touch you. And my partner know what is coming and I enjoy myself or my partner, she will most likely feel the same pleasure as a feedback loop in the nervous system. Mm -hmm. And that itself creates an enormous way of, of sensuality and sexuality in an engagement because it creates safety and it creates connection. Mm -hmm. And why would it, why isn't it abusive? I know it's not, but I'm just, some people might ask, it's like, it's like you're having sex, you're making love with somebody, you're having a sacred connection with somebody, but you touch her for yourself. Yes. How is that, why is that good? Because when, when actually you touch somebody for yourself and this somebody what is our lover in the birth in the best place mm -hmm. um, has given consent they know what is coming mm -hmm. they're trusting us they, they they actually love to be touched they love to feel our own integrity and our own connection that we're having in our first place to our body because in the same moment when when we feel ourselves they can feel themselves they can feel us feeling ourselves and feeling them so we creating actually a deep layer of connection mm -hmm. and it's not abusive because the consent is actually creating this this level of engagement that allows the other person to go in a deeper layer of of of, of surrender and mm -hmm. a deeper layer of um, of ecstasy yeah I think I think the um, the wheel of consent is a really good is a really good um, structure uh, and we will have this in the show notes um, under the under the video so for me what i really really like about it, it it brings into consciousness something which is which is very much hidden yes okay so so men and women we, many times we touch each other and we enjoy the touch and and yes it's really nice to pleasure the other but sometimes we want to pleasure ourselves with the touch yes and a, a really nice experience that I had in, at your workshop in, in Berlin is that, is that I asked a woman um, to touch her breasts and I said, I want to touch it for my pleasure. 
because as a sexual, I'm a sexual practitioner, and you usually I, it's like when I give sessions, I need to do this for for the service of my of my client. Mm -hmm. Okay, and in that case, I was like, no, I want to touch it for my pleasure. Mm -hmm. And she said that she really enjoyed because because she felt like she was giving. She is actually giving. Yes. That's the beauty in there. She's passively giving. Yes. Yeah. I just would like to say something on this note um, as well. Um, um, I, I remember you have this question as well. What makes a better lover in there? And I would like to just yeah. like make the transmission directly or the transition directly into this question. What makes it a be better lover yes. is, you know, when, when two people actually totally connected to their own pleasure by touching. Yes. And it just becomes a kind of a dance in the engagement. It becomes a dance of dance of two bodies finding pleasure for themselves and uh, and feeling the other at the same time, feeling where they are at. And when we can just expand that from our hands, where touch normally happens in the first place, to our skin, to our entire body, and including our genitals in there, it just gives a specific quality. Just imagine you can feel the same amount of pleasure on your penis when you're internally of a woman's vagina and you're pleasuring yourself in this very gentle, careful, loving, sensual, sexual way into this place of ecstasy. Because the same pleasure that happens in my body, on my penis and in my sensuality, in my pleasure center, that will most likely happening in her as well. Mm -hmm. And if she's doing the same thing, gentle, careful, moving around a man's penis and just pleasing her inner, her, her inner clitoris and her, her, her inner her, her cervix in the sensuality, this is where this, where, where this incredible merging into ecstasy is happening without any agenda, without any goal, without going somewhere. So the, the ecstatic... The ecstatic expansion is just around the corner mm -hmm. in the moment of the next sensation. Mm -hmm. And there's a completely different universe of engagement. Wow. So actually by pleasuring ourselves consciously, not not by not by taking it unconsciously, but by actually saying, okay, I'm also pleasuring myself so actually we are serving each other because if both partners are pleasuring themselves both partners are having pleasure and also are sharing each other's pleasure it's yeah. not like one person you know abusing another person no. it's it's actually um a neurological feedback loop based on safety and trust mm. yeah so what would be the other parts of the quadrant the other part of the quadrant is serving and accepting. Mm -hmm. And I would say when, um, when we are lovers, when we're just engaging with our partner uh, and we're having a deep connection, a deep heart connection, and a deep loving connection, we are actually most of the time taking from each other mm -hmm. in this sensual, sexual way of integrity and surrender. Because this is where trust and safety is happening, where we're getting closer and, and finding each other deeper. The other part of serving and allowing, uh, uh, serving and accepting becomes more and more secondary. Because if my partner wants me to do something for her, then it's just her job to ask me for it. 
So I'm, I'm not serving, I'm not pleasing anymore, doing something to her, what I guess or assume what might be the right thing, or she's not doing anything to me that, that she might think is a good thing for me. It might mm -hmm. happen, but most of the time it's my job to ask for it, or it's her job to ask for that. Mm -hmm. And uh, But in session work, as a practitioner, in the bigger picture, in the bigger frame, I'm offering a service. And this service can be anything. It can be a massage, it can be a counseling, it can be a de-armoring, it can be a pleasure or an orgasmic teaching. Um, that is the, the, the bigger pack of the, of the service. Um, but in there, in this bigger pack of service, um, it very much depends on the client who is coming, what is their intention and what do they need to experience and what do they need to get out of that session to grow in their own uh, way into a deeper um, intimacy with their sexuality. Mm -hmm. So it can be anything uh, a client is coming up with uh, to have a specific service, but it's my responsibility in there as a practitioner to keep my boundaries. Mm -hmm. And that's an important piece specifically as a practitioner, mm -hmm. just like being aware of how far can we go with whom mm -hmm. and what are we willing and capable of serving and I can't serve everybody in the same way there, mm -hmm. are, there are different things I can't provide mm -hmm. can you give examples yeah for example if a man would just like come and uh, and, and would ask me for for um, uh, intercourse just like uh, just, just initiating him anally, that would be something I definitely wouldn't provide. Mm -hmm. If a woman would come and ask me for, for intercourse, for penetration, um, uh, uh, penetration, that's something I definitely not provide. Mm -hmm. I'm not providing exchange of bodily fluids in my sessions. And mm -hmm. Definitely not becoming lover with a, with a client. Mm -hmm. So this is so, so my service and my engagement is is limited in in, in its. Um, in its uh, approach. Mm -hmm. And why is that? that I'm not saying that it's right and wrong, but, but there are some practitioners who are having sex with clients and there yeah. are some who don't. Yeah. Um, what is the, yeah, why, why is it that for you? Yeah, I've, I've practiced that in the very beginning of my, of my practice when I was offering intercourse and I had that approximately I know, three, three times. Mm -hmm. And um, and I, re I remember that that my entire being, my soul, was just like included in this interaction, and um, and my heart was opening up, and, and part of that, and and all of a sudden I just go 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 out of this engagement, mm -hmm. and um, and just receive money for that, and and was completely um, confused in my in my, in my uh, existence that that, mm -hmm. that time. And uh, I felt I was prostituting myself mm -hmm. in a way where, where I couldn't relate. Mm -hmm. And that was something that didn't feel right to me. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, but I had a few more kind of um, requests to go there. And then I just recognized that something was closing down in me. Yes. And then I couldn't maintain an erection in that because there was no connection. I felt mm -hmm. like a mechanic engagement. So I had to take erection pills. Mm -hmm. And to relax enough, I just uh, had to just like take marijuana. So I just like felt this is completely out of the frame. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. So I just had my experience there and uh, just just did that three times and said this is this is not right and yeah. this is not serving love and that's not serving sexual sexuality. Mm -hmm. So I dropped that and um, and uh, just had to find back into my own expression, into my own way of uh, of providing that service that I'm having. And I'm not saying it's wrong or it's bad. It's just simply not working for me. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, an important piece specifically for male or female practitioner is just like in session work when you provide this as a service it's become really authentically clear where do we feed our own lack of intimacy through, through others in sessions mm -hmm. and be really clearly and honest and making a clear distinction in for whom is it for when we do that um, if somebody's coming asking for a specific service can we offer that service to everybody or do we have to differentiate that we can't offer that service because we don't have an attraction to somebody. Mm -hmm. So just like kind of finding different layers of engagement and truth and authenticity in ourselves is a vital piece of engagement. What would be some of the, some of the shadows in the wheel of consent? Hmm. Yeah, the sh the shadows or the shadow work is just the the the, the loved and the hated ones. So the sh the shadow work is, um, let's say, when people engage without having having um, an agreement, mm -hmm. um, then um, the shadow work is more related to something that one person is not agreeing to. So, for example. If you um, ask me if you can just have my 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 um, tea, my cup of tea, and just 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 finish it and drinking it, and I could just like feel into that. Hmm. Do do I want to give that? Um, and so yeah, of course I like you. Just please please have it. Just just drink it all. And um, you just take the cup of tea and you drink the tea and just enjoy it and I was just like I'm happy because you just enjoy it so I give you my tea without doing anything mm -hmm. um, but if you would and everything would be alright in there and would be okay but in the moment where you wouldn't ask and just take the cup of tea and would just drink it and empty it and just put it back with the knowing it is my cup and you don't care if I just want to give it or not you would actually come from a shadow, you would actually steal, mm -hmm. even if it's just a cup of tea. Mm -hmm. However, it, it, it wouldn't be in alignment with our interaction. I was just wondering myself, what is he actually doing? Why is he doing that? Mm -hmm. And so, so you would be in a shadow where you would steal or you, you just take something without an agreement, without consent. And if I'm aware of that, I would just ask, hmm, what's going on there? So he's taking something from me I wasn't willing to give and I, and, and, and I haven't been asked for. So I would put myself in a place of um, feeling, feeling violated in my space, uh, victimized and uh, would actually um, just asking myself why, why, why hasn't he asked for something? Yes. So which, which part is it, is it related to in the will of consent? It's related in the will of consent to taking and allowing. And that's the most difficult way of, of engaging. And an interesting thing in the shadow is that the shadows itself, they're never coming on, on one alone. 
the shadow is always coming in a pair and if one shadow is coming on one side there's most of the time another shadow involved on the other side mm -hmm. so the interesting thing is that the wheel is not about avoiding shadows the wheel is not about creating um, uh, only the engagement related to consent and having a good life till the rest of our days because that would be completely boring so the question is um, each one of us has specific avoidance strategies and behavior to um, engage in a certain way or in a different way and this avoidance strategies they're related to um, um, uh, disalignment how we're just trying to avoid a connection because in the first place when the connection happened it wasn't safe to say it or it wasn't safe to do it so we created different patterns mm -hmm. and this patterns is a huge possible is a huge potential to um, look through the shadows into what else is actually possible mm -hmm. what how deep can our potential go so shadows is nothing that is wrong or bad it is an indicator for something where we can learn about ourselves and others and in the moment when we're finding something we are not um, really happy with to show that we're kind of embarrassment and this feeling mm -hmm. of shame and guilt and we're feeling kind of awkward and all that stuff is coming up when we can consciously allow ourselves to express that mm -hmm. and we're giving ourselves gratitude and acknowledgement and appreciation that we had to create in the first place a different pattern of behavior then we can actually um, grow through our shadows. Can you give an example? Yeah, in, in, an example we had just a couple of minutes ago this conversation in the kitchen where um, our beautiful uh, person who's sitting over there where, where we just had a, a, a sexual conversation and where um, uh, people not allowed to just speak about and experience what they have about sexuality because they just feel kind of uh, shame about that. Mm -hmm. And the moment when you just actually trust and believe your shame that you're, that you're not um, um, okay to talk about experience, then you're just in the shadow. So you, you're just hooked by your own behavior. But in the moment when you say, oh my God, I'm feeling completely embarrassed to say that right now, but let's do it anyway because I need to feel that. Mm -hmm. I need to feel, okay, when I talk about sexuality, about my anus, when I talk about this and that, I'm feeling really embarrassed. So enjoy that and just celebrate yourself because you are the one who is creating the safety that you need to express what you are um, uncomfortable with. Mm. And, um, and this is just like a very clear way of, of engaging with shadows. Mm -hmm. What would be some challenges that, that you are still challenged by in, in your in lovemaking or in your work as a practitioner yes I think one of the most challenges is um, creating intimacy with a partner with a lover so I'm traveling quite a lot and um, and um, um, engaging with, 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 with a person really deep and going really deep on a journey is quite a challenge because um, having somebody to travel with is, is, is not easy, it's not, um, it's not um, an easy task and being for a couple of weeks or for a couple of, of, of months in a, in a certain way and start to engage with somebody 
and knowing okay I'm getting all of that connection it's it's something that that's a really deep challenge so it's it's kind of I engage to a certain degree and then I disengage to a certain degree but a part of myself stays there and um, and the biggest challenge is just like having somebody in my life who's just completely supporting and loving that what I'm doing and having having their own life next to me or we're just creating a life together that is just based on um, on this on this passion and purpose what we want to bring into the world so it's a sometimes a quite a long journey mm. why do you um, why do you actually travel from place to place why don't you stay in one place just, yeah. just wondering yeah it's it's very much related to um, being in one place is good being established and um, and offering the work and, and having a community or people in your in your city just like knowing what you're doing and sometimes people traveling a long distance mm -hmm. coming there where a good practitioner is um, but specifically in this field as facilitation and educator we're just getting we're getting invited we're getting yeah. invited all the time into Tantra Festival Engsbacher Sweden to Estonia and then having an invitation to Hong Kong and then having an invitation here to, to Melbourne and and uh, and you just offer your workshop, you offer your your your, your work, and mm -hmm. all of a sudden in life something beca becomes decentralized. So just just you just recognize that it's not worth that you're having a place somewhere because you're never home. It's not necessary to have a car because you don't drive it. It's getting old and rotten on the street without using it. And then just on a certain degree, you just recognize just like okay, so just do that for a while. Just like selling everything, getting out of out of an apartment, and following invitations from one place to another, mm -hmm. and uh, and living and practicing that, and, mm -hmm. and creating a living on the journey um, um, around the world, wherever wherever I am, wherever we are, mm -hmm. and being there for a while, and then following the next invitation, and, mm -hmm. and that that might be a journey for a while. Mm -hmm. So, so you've been doing this this work for a while. Yeah. What is what is something that you're curious about? What is something that you want to learn? That you want to kind of like go into? What are you really excited about learning or doing? Hmm. Oh, it's, it's not much. Not not much left. <laughs> yeah. It's in you know. In it doesn't have to be in the in the sexual field. Like I have you know other interests that this is why I'm not just a sexual practitioner I'm doing yeah. other things so I love so I love DJing okay yeah. um, um, I'm, I'm super super interested in, um, in finding good places in nature just like mm -hmm. just, just just merging this body back with nature finding mm -hmm. a deep layer of um, of um, integration uh, of, of this body into the earth and just connecting this body as the earth mm -hmm. and uh, feeling this, 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 this earth through my body in different places of the world. Mm -hmm. And I think that's part of the tantric path as well, mm -hmm. just like to merge deeper with this source, with this life force energy that we're all carrying within and finding it as well um, back in nature. That's mm -hmm. uh, something where I'm really passionate about, it's beautiful. So you mentioned you mentioned tantric, tantric, and what does what does tantra mean for you? Um, oh God, that's a that's a really crazy question. <laughs> I have no idea what tantra is. Well, for, for you, what is it for me? Yeah. I have no idea what it is for me anymore. 
Mm-hmm. Um, when I when I found this on this balcony, this twenty nearly twenty years ago, um, that was very much related to my sexuality. Mm-hmm. And I've learned over the over the many years of of, of practicing and, and and going into different realms and uh, definitions of tantra that the more I learned about tantra, I have no idea what tantra is. Mm. But what I'm really passionate and interested about is what is the sexual aspect of tantra. I know there are many other aspects, but I'm specifically interested in the sexual aspect of tantra. Yes. And as I said that uh, earlier, that this this specific way of how can we merge into sexual unity into sexual oneness with our partner in love making where where sexual engagement becomes a meditation and a prayer and we becoming oneness with this multi-orgasmic field of of infinity what i call the liquid light transmission when that happens uh, it you know, it's just like on the other side, you can explain it with Tantra, you can explain it with the nervous system, you can explain it with different other body chemistry reactions. Um, I, at the end, don't know what this is, what is Tantra for me, just like this merging into one through sexual engagement, through love, through, through connection. Mm-hmm. That's how I would describe that. That's what I'm passionate about. Okay. What would be a... Uh a typical day or or a good day in in your life what is what are some of your daily habits if you have if you have some daily habits morning morning routines yeah so so um before i get up uh, love making um and then uh, so you open your eyes and you start, you start <laughs> making love well as, as long as my body is just like feeling it and yeah. i love to follow that and that's it's, it's a, a very beautiful expression of this of this energy, what I call life force energy, and, yeah. and it's just—it's just a natural engagement, natural flow of it. Um, but I have a I have a daily practice of of my own uh, yoga, of my own stretch routine, and that's very important to me. Mm-hmm. And I never miss that. Mm-hmm. And uh, when what time do you usually wake up? Um, six o'clock is is a, mm-hmm. is a natural time. So you wake up at six and you leave the bed at eight. Sometimes <laughs> <laughs> can be earlier, can be can be later. Okay, so um, stretch and yoga. And stretch, yoga. I love having a smoothie in the morning, so mm-hmm. don't eat heavy. And um, just my, 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 my body, or taking care of my body is an important piece of, of the practice that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So I just, I just live vegetarian. I have here and there a little bit of meat, but I just avoid eating heavy and unhealthy food. Um, um, so mainly I just have a session a day or two sessions a day where people come um, mm-hmm. and ask for, for specific work that I'm offering. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, nearly every day? Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. And um, it very much depends on, on, the, on the place where I am or the environment where I am, but normally a session a day is a, it's a good turnout. Mm-hmm. And um, I just want to live, mm-hmm. just engage with that <coughs> what happens, just being here today it's like being invited and just having a chat and uh, burp when it happens without feeling embarrassed and just just engaging naturally with mm-hmm. people just 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 being here sharing mm-hmm. um, offering my gifts and uh, living mm-hmm. authentically are there any other daily routines or weekly routines because I'm, I'm I'm interested in the science of, of you know the practice the science of success the science of what 
what are some of the things that that make us who we are and what are some of the things that that keep us who we are yeah so is there anything else that you do or yeah, that yeah. so so the main thing is the is the finding your own practice finding your own routine of of um, of you can call it yoga stretch work or whatever works mm -hmm. for you so that that everybody has to find their own routine that works mm -hmm. uh, have, having a healthy self-pleasure practice mm -hmm. that's it's a vital important piece mm -hmm. and um, what is changing the entire neurophysiology and every part of the body and the nervous system is mastering the ejaculatory choice it's, mm -hmm. a, it's a it's a completely game changer uh, and it just uh, it's it revitalizes the body it just opens up all different gateways into into spirit and um, and just you're just switched on mm -hmm. your, your body still stays awake you're just like you're healthy you're vital you're vibrant and um, just be curious about life and be curious about different ways of um, engaging mm -hmm. learning new stuff mm -hmm. be curious about life if let's say you know it's 50 years from now you had a long life and <clears throat> you know you know you're going to die and everything that you ever done said videos books whatever has disappeared what would be uh, three things that you would want to pass pass on three very important things Ah, the first thing I would say is finding pleasure in your hands, mm. finding finding back into the healthy expression of of receiving by doing, and asking for consent if somebody else is included. Mm -hmm. That's that's the 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 foundation, the the default system of engagement. So the first thing is finding pleasure in your hand. What yeah. would be the second and the third? Um, um, be honest and authentic and true to your heart. Live, live what is love. Mm -hmm. Finding, finding love, living love. Mm -hmm. And the third one. Mm. Or the was the consent the second one? Um, no, the first one is actually creating consent. Okay. That that one's just like that's that's changing everything. Just okay. like finding in your hand. Second one is just like being completely, utterly authentic and truthful to your heart and don't compromise your heart. Mm -hmm. Just like live your heart. And the third one is just like, um, yeah, just, just master the ejaculatory choice. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Speaking to the choir. Absolutely. Totally don't, don't miss that. Don't miss that. Yeah, you hear that, man? Yeah. Um, okay, so where do people can find more about you? What's your website, Facebook? Yeah, Facebook, Matthias Schwentek. Can you, can you um, uh, spell that? M-A-T-T-H-I-A-S Schwentek, S-C-H-W-E-N-T-E-C-K. Okay, and yep. your website? The website is dot, 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 uniquetantra.com. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, that's it. Okay. So okay, and, and you're available for, for sessions all over the world and, yeah. and and travel by invitation and have a specific modality that I'm creating. It's a one day workshop, the art of loving touch, mm -hmm. and from this workshop on, I just offer sessions. Mm 
mm-hmm. and, um, and see where that goes from there. Mm-hmm. Okay, Matthias Schwentek, I really thank you for being here, for coming here. I recognize you and thank you for your work and also mm-hmm. for, the, for what you have shared with me. And I wish you to keep sharing your gift. And I would, I would ask you actually before we finish, before I forget, what, would you, what do you consider is your intimate power? My intimate power? Yeah, it's like your, your superpower, your secret power, your, your intimate power. My intimate power is that first question that you had. Oh, no, the first of the three things I would share. The intimate yeah. power is just like finding that back in our hands. Okay. Finding that back. This is, this is, the, this is the secret. That's the secret of engagement, the secret of love, is the mm. secret of sex, is the secret of intimacy, is the secret of my truth, because this is my responsibility. That's, that's mm. the, 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 the key of intimate power. Thank you very much, and again, thank you for, for being here, and all the best. Thank you very much for having me, and I hope we're influencing a lot of people finding themselves. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure we will. Thank you very much, Mark. Thank you. Pleasure. I hope you have enjoyed this episode. For a transcript of the episode, as well as show notes, people mentioned, and other links, head to unleashyourfullpotential.info and find this specific episode. If you enjoyed it, please consider leaving a review in iTunes or share it with a friend or two. Every review helps, and this is the only way that this life-changing information would reach more people. Thank you for listening, and now go out there and unleash your full potential.